Hey guys, and welcome to Off the Beaten Cliff. This week we're doing the Songs That Changed My Life playlist. guys we're here we're doing the songs that changed my life playlist yep 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 and i think like i think i texted you earlier in the week with my brother and i was like i think i interpreted this a little bit differently than you guys did (laughs) yeah yeah we'll we'll see when we get there but this is actually one of the first playlists i suggested to you and Mm -hmm. you were like this seems a little rich for my blood starting well, I think at the time I was just being lazy. <laughs> so songs that changed my life. I thought we were doing like Disney songs. Fuck, man. Let me, give me a break here. Uh, also, we have someone with us today. My fiance, Zoe. Hello. She's here. She made some picks. Um, she's going to go through everything with us. So uh, we're excited to have her on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. She's very nervous. Can you tell? Is that making more uncomfortable? Does it make it more uncomfortable? It definitely makes it worse. <laughs> but we're in our house. Like, you know, we're in our spare bedroom. Who cares? I do. Okay. Just, you know, stare at the Dr. Pepper guy. It'll get you through it. Um, I, Yeah, I look at this home run thing a lot. I'm not going to lie. The, and the 88 guy. He looks a lot like Mr. Peanut. That's all I can think about. <laughs> uh, that's exactly why I have this put up is like if you start feeling uncomfortable or like you're losing your train of thought. Just like when you go to like a tattoo shop or something and you're like focusing on how bad this sucks. You can just look at something and be like, oh, look at that. Yeah, I did a and whole Zoom job interview sitting here staring at these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll do it. But anyway, um, songs that changed my life. It sounds like a heavy topic, but uh, it's we're not going to get as heavy, I think, as we definitely could have. Um, let's get into audience submissions first. Yep, let's do it. You want to uh, go back and forth here? Sure. Okay. Uh, so first things first, my friend Ellie, uh, she says, Colors of the Wind by Pocahontas. She wanted to... She typed out a little thing she wanted us to read uh, to go along with it. She said, uh, riding off the waves of Disney, um, but I'm going to go with Colors of the Wind by Pocahontas. Ignoring all the reasons the movie is historically problematic, the song is a feel-good, love-and-light song that teaches fantastic values to kids. Respect and empathize with all humans, creatures, and nature. Like no other song, this... like. No doubt this song heavily influenced my young mind. Pretty sure the song is why I get so viscerally angry when someone litters. Yeah, no, this almost made it onto my uh, Disney playlist. It was yeah. on, it was in like my final cuts. So uh, I just had more emotional connection to the other ones that I had. I do love this song, though. It's one of my favorite choruses of all time in Disney and mm-hmm. just in general. So, Yeah, it, it was it, in our playlist. It doesn't seem to f- it almost seems like, oh, we accidentally added a Disney song to this. Like it should have been on last week's. But no, it's a great pick. Yep. And, you know, Disney very vastly warped our minds. If you listen to our episode last week. You know, this is basically songs that changed my life part two, because all those Disney songs were <laughs> had a lot more influence on our life than I think we realized until we recorded. Yeah, I really started waxing philosophical on the, uh, what is the up song called? The, the Married Life? Yeah, I just call it the up song. <laughs> the song that makes me cry in in waves. Yeah. So, um, next we got Alec, uh, Sing 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 by Benny Goodman, and... I didn't know this by its name, but as soon as I turned it on, I knew it. Everybody's probably heard this song in some way, shape, or form, um, and it makes so much sense for Alec. Um, just knowing what I know of Alec, he's uh, 
he was a saxophone player, loves jazz, loves big band and swing. And he, I can imagine a young Alec listening to this song and just being blown away and, and uh, really kind of wanting to play music because of it, because it is a huge, like bombastic, um, just really cool sound. And so I can imagine hearing this as a, a younger gentleman and uh, being really inspired to do something with it. Such a well-dressed man. Yeah. And he picks such a dapper song. Yeah. Like this is perfect. Alec. I'll say uh, it's really like a, a jazz band vibe. I played saxophone growing up in the jazz band nice. in high school, and that's what it really reminds me of. Cool, cool, yeah. So it makes sense. Saxophone players love this song. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go on. Let's move on to Tyler's pick. It's here. the stairway to heaven for saxophone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the song you can't play at Sam Goody <laughs> on your saxophone is, is sing, sing, sing. Uh, so Tyler, uh, my buddy, uh, picked Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. He's a... F- Stevie Nicks head mm-hmm. and you go over to his house there's just portraits upon portraits of Stevie Nicks um, so I really like giving him a hard time about Fleetwood Mac but this is a great song yeah sorry my my hat bill just hit the <laughs> microphone there so it's gonna be a little crunchy I that's apologize. okay <laughs> but I think Fleetwood Mac's made a comeback in like the last couple years it feels like yeah. like I heard a couple of their songs growing up but it seems like in the last few years and especially TikTok Fleetwood Max made a comeback, and this uh, song is a great one. Stevie Nicks just released an album, didn't she? Not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's part. I think you talked about it on one of the shows, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think she was featured on. She did something with Miley Cyrus recently. Yeah, it might have been. It, it might have been a Queen City. I think it was part of your uh, hype corner where you're yeah. talking about female vocalists or whatever. Yeah, they're taking over the world. Yeah, yeah. I love female vocalists. I'm obsessed with them. So. Um, yeah. Um, next is uh, Supercharger Heaven from White Zombie by from King Louie, Lord of Trash, first of his name. Second contribution in a week. He's become a big listener of ours. Um, I love Louie personally. Hopefully, Dill, you get to meet him someday. He's a cool dude. Um, big metalhead. He sent us our very first listener email, and I couldn't have been happier about it. Uh, so thanks for listening, Louie. Thanks for taking pity on us and sending us an email. Um, I really appreciate it. I know Dill appreciates it too. So Yeah, we got two emails in one week. We are superstars. <laughs> yeah, you tried to read it to me in the car and almost crashed earlier. Yeah. You were so excited was about so excited. it. We almost got hit by like a dump truck. <laughs> Worth it. Uh, I'll die for this podcast. That's what you said to me. <laughs> yeah. That was only a half joke. It's good. It's good. I'm, I'm glad you're uh, you're as dedicated as you need to be. I put my life on the line for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, So I do want to read this because it is a very charming and endearing email from uh, the Lord of Trash here. Um, Howdy, Kevin and Dylan. First, I love the podcast that has introduced me to new music and made made me revisit old favorites. And it's just generally entertaining. For this week, I submit to you Supercharger Heaven by White Zombie. The song is probably most responsible for the musical direction my life has taken. My father bought this album because we both loved More Human Than Human. Uh, But this track was the heaviest thing that I'd ever heard at that point in my life. It was probably around four or five. Uh, Putting on the album, I would always skip the first track because (laughs) the intro scared me. Rob Zombie likes likes to make creepy effects and would jump right into uh, Supercharger Heaven. It made me the metalhead I am today. Keep up the good work. It's a great song. Yeah, and he he, sang, he did sign it, Louis Curran, Lord of Trash. So that is a legitimate nickname that he loves to go by. So 
Um, there's a, I don't know what the origin is. I think it was one night him and Ben were partying and Louie ended up on a pile of trash. <laughs> so he's like a little raccoon. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. So I think he became a Lord of Trash from that moment on. Um, but yeah, no, I almost picked a, a, a white zombie song as well. Um, I almost picked uh, Welcome to Planet Motherfucker from the album before this um, because for very similar reasons because at, this, at that point in my life, I was like, holy shit. This is something new and creepy and weird, and I love it. I love mm-hmm. White Zombie and Rob Zombie. Um, the differences are probably just band members because they sound the exact same. Um, White Zombies maybe a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're the same. Whatever. Um, but yeah, good pick, Louie, because uh, I love this song as well, and I had a, a personal connection to White Zombie as a musical influence as well. So uh, yeah, good good audience picks. we got another one coming up later from Ben, but he, uh, he went above and beyond. He did... He double benji this week. Yeah, he. Uh, we're going to do him after all our picks. Uh, we're going to throw in a clip. Ben sent us an audio clip since he is our honorary third member, and uh, he's going to go over the, the pick he had this week. So um, we'll we'll give that another shout when we get closer to it. But, uh, yeah, let's get into our picks because we got a little bit more than usual this week. Yeah, it's uh, this is a hefty notes lesson for me this week. I, I, woke, I hadn't done it. I was... I've been stressed at work, so I just kind of put it off to the very last second. But I woke up early and made sure I got it done this morning. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) You got to mentally prepare for this. Yeah, yeah. So so I'll go first, and then we'll go Kev, Zoe, and then we'll just kind of keep going around the circle. Before you hop into your picks, I don't know if you read my notes at all, but I took my notes trying to decide what part of your life this happened in. And what the moment was you connected it to. Because I know that's how a lot of the songs you love are, are songs that you love. Um, so I, I can't wait to see if I'm right. I didn't look up like dates of these releases or anything. I wanted to see if I could just pick it out. Okay. Uh, so the first pick I got is The Permanent Rain by The Dangerous Summer. Uh, this song came out when I was a freshman in high school. And it was one of those things where I, I think I told Zoe there was a free Friday download for one of their other songs, and they were fe- they had a feature from All Time Low, and that was kind of the the musical taste I had in junior high. It was like Boys Like Girls, All Time Low, all these like neon, but it was cool because you know in junior high you don't really know any better. And then the first forty five seconds of this song comes on, and it's just like these two guitars, and then the bass comes in, the drums come in, and it was just like. It fucking blew my mind that music could be that cool. Yeah. And um, it was just like I could listen to the first 45 seconds um, forever because it was just perfection to me. Um, and it was it, they ended up redoing it for an album when they got signed to a, a bigger label. And I just like this version better because it is so rough around the edges. But that guitar is just so crisp. Yeah. And uh, I really like the, the he's got like uh, rougher vocals and um it really opened my eyes to enjoying instrumentation more than just, you know, the emo lyrics that I had been looking for, you know, yeah. all the boys, like girls, all time low shit like that. But like this song was like, I didn't like it because the lyrics and I do like the lyrics, but like all I could think about was like the, that opening guitar. Yeah. That's what a lot of mine are too. It's just like, this sounds fucking awesome. And it kind of like, just, it, it jumped off like a whole deep dive into that genre. So, um, yeah, my, uh, here's what I thought. Um, I think this was middle school Dill. 
So I got that right. And you had a friend who moved away and this helped you get through it because that's kind of what it's about. It's about like a die, guy car dying in a car wreck, right? Yeah, it's his dad. Um, so, okay. So I, I, I looked into it a little bit. This was, <laughs> I looked at all the lyrics for these songs trying to decide, okay, what was, what was going on in Dylan's life at this point where he really attached to these lyrics and really wanted to help him get through it. So it wasn't about a friend moving away. You just really liked it. I think that's cool. Um, <laughs> trying to really channel sad boy Dill here. And, uh, <laughs> I uh, may have went a little overboard. I may have uh, I may have typecast you a little bit here. That's I, okay. And I apologize. <laughs> I, I fit the bill most of the time. Excuse but me. But I went into it like trying not to be super sappy. Yeah. But I still ended up doing it here in a little bit. But you know, first pick, I can't be super sappy. And I will say, like this is this is like all of your picks are not are like a genre that I didn't necessarily love, like even like a year ago. And I think I've kind of softened to it a little bit, and I'm starting to enjoy it. So. It's not just me that's infecting you. I think you're infecting me a little bit here. Eventually, a year from now, we're just going to have the same taste of music. <laughs> we're just going to be gonna... one person. It's already happened to me. I put on playlists and it's just 90% Dylan music. Yeah, yeah, that's It, it happens. You, you spend enough time with somebody, you're going to end up liking the shit that they like. Or you're not Plus, gonna we're so like heavy-handed in our suggestions. Like, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm picking music this week and you have to listen to this for the entire week, so... Hope you like it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I needed to. I think that's why I needed the playlists because I was like, "Fuck, I can't." I mean, give me a little variety here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I really, really love the lyric. I've got a friend up in the atmosphere, so it's another reason not to fear the sky. Um, I really, really think that's a, a cool poetic thing to say. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I me, mean, I'm, I'm a fan of clever lyrics, and I really kind of liked that. It's, it's simple, but it's. Uh, I don't know. I can just imagine, uh, a, you know, a heartbroken kid looking up at the sky. I'm like, hey, you know, I know you're up there. And I think that's a, that's a cool sentiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on to my first pick. Let me scroll a million miles here. Uh, was one by Metallica. And uh, like I said, I picked my songs based on like watershed moments in my life as a youth. Uh, and this one was the first one that I can remember. I tried to do these in chronological order, too, of my life. And this is the first song I can remember really thinking, like, oh, music can be more than what my parents listen to. Um, I was in a parking lot. I remember. I can remember this vividly. It's like one of those snapshot moments in my mind. I was in a parking lot late at night in Wilmington by the old Kroger and the video store. I don't know what my mom was doing. She was, like, finishing up some shopping or something. You know, classic, hey, give me the keys. I'm going to go sit in the car. And I was listening to probably uh, 103.9, The X or The Edge, whatever it was at the time. And uh, this song came on. And I had heard Metallica before, but I wasn't really like, whatever. It was just through the radio or what I heard through my older brother's uh, like bedroom walls. And I, but I'd never heard this song before. And the juxtaposition of the beginning of this song and the end of this song, it made me realize like, oh shit, like so music can be like incredible i'd never heard like a seven minute song before because i grew up with like the beatles you know very pop radio friendly stuff and it's just it really fucking blew my mind i was maybe 10 years old at the the time somewhere around there and i just i never really experienced music in a such a uh holistic way before where i'd never heard a kind of a concept song because this is this song's about the horrors of war and like how a guy basically can't do anything anymore and he kind of just wants to die and uh like he's landmine taking my life take my legs whatever um and i but i didn't care about that uh just because it was just so it was just so as a 10 year old i don't give a shit like i'm not listening to the lyrics but it was just so heavy at the end i was like holy shit 
this was just like kind of like a cool like ballad up until here but now it's like oh my god like fuck double bass guitars everything this like james hetfield screaming it blew my mind so uh this was the when i realized i probably loved music um more than anything at this point yeah the i can't think of this song without thinking of metallica or, or without uh the context of guitar hero yeah. because like this was like if you're playing Guitar Hero 3, I want to say, like all the way through, this is like one of the the end songs. So this song was like challenging, but it also was like, this song's fucking sweet. You like start out so slow and you're like, I know it's going to get hard here soon. Mm-hmm. But listening to it without the context of Guitar Hero, it's such like a cool song. And you feel like it's like, okay, this is kind of like a rock ballad. And then that double bass kicks in and then you're like, hell yeah. yeah like it's... I can imagine Kevin with hair just headbanging to it. Yeah, my, this my, is probably why you don't have hair is because you headbang too hard and you possible. knocked it all off. Possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, me and my little like thin straight bowl cut that I had back in the day, uh, just, just swirling going, it around, going wild, dude. <laughs> um, I think it was more just slack jawed amazement in the back. Like, what am I listening to? Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, it's uh, it's it is it's it's definitely the moment in music where I was like, yeah, music is what I want to like beat my passion <laughs> yeah. even though I didn't like I ended up playing guitar later in life but yeah I never really pursued it but I do love listening to it and I couldn't live without it like I think I said last week given the choice of going blind or going deaf I'd take blind 100 out of 100 times mm-hmm. so uh, Zoe you got anything on that or? I've always really liked old Metallica yeah. it was one of the first things on my iPod that my dad put on he was a super angsty person and <laughs> it was quite the contrast what my mom listened to growing up and I always felt like a little rebellious child listening to it because she hated it so much. Yeah, that's... Metal what... and screamo and everything. So that was just my niche because it felt like it was something she just hated. Yeah, that was kind of what it was for me too. I remember vividly my older brother who's, I think, the same age gap you and I have, Dill. And uh, he snuck me into his room one day and played me like an Iron Maiden tape. And he's like, you cannot tell mom I'm letting you listen to this. <laughs> and so it was like metal and rock was always kind of rebellious. And I was like, oh shit, I shouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> That's how it was. Like my dad slipped me an iPod, and he's like, "This is good music." Hell yeah! And it was a That's secret. awesome. Well, yeah, she she liked the Guar uh, pick a few weeks ago. Oh hell yeah, Guar Guar kicks ass. You do a meat sandwich. Oh yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> There's a song later on. I think you actually said this sounds like a a Guar song. I think it was the Faith No More song. Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, if if you like Guar, don't don't tell me that because I'll I'll send you all kinds of shit. <laughs> I said I, I want to like mosh pit like a costume in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next time Guar comes to town, we need to go because they put on a hell of a live show. I went to go see him on uh, New Year's Eve a couple years ago. Uh, it was 2020, but going into 2020. Yeah, I was, remember you coming over after that. <laughs> so fucking fun, man. Um, you didn't yeah. go to that. It was. I literally got invited by my younger brother, like two, or my older brother, two nights before. He's like, "Hey, uh, I'm in town. Guar's in town. You want to go?" I'm like, "All right, I'll go get some blood and guts and sperm sprayed on me for two sweet. hours." <laughs> Sounds like our sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on to your second pick here, Dill. Uh, you want to get into Zoe's pick? Oh shit, yeah, Zoe. Let's go. No. Sorry, I- no, Zoe. What you got? All right. So my first pick was um, the theme from the Halo franchise mm-hmm. by Martin O'Donnell. Um, the song every time it comes on it just it slaps Mm -hmm. i i listen to it's like my guilty pleasure song in the car it's on my hype song listen to it before i go and do things uh it just reminds me of being a kid i wasn't allowed to play a lot of video games and things growing up so this was my first exposure to that and i would stay up every night playing i wasn't ever good at the game but i really liked the game so it's really a spiral out of control for me i'm uh she's got like a little book and everything what 
I have too much Halo stuff. I yeah. asked if I could wear my Master Chief helmet to film this, so. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you? I mean, probably because the audio quality, sure. <laughs> you could have had it like on your like a Spartan and hold it like on your lap or whatever. We'll, we'll add some clips in later of Zoe trying to talk with those <laughs> Master Chief helmet on. <laughs> That'll be our Patreon content for this week. Uh, the, our non-existent Patreon. Um, but yeah, I, uh, this was actually the first thing you asked me if I had a song I wanted to pick, and this is what I picked. And you're like, "Well, pick a couple more and come on." But yeah, I got a little out of control that night. I brought out all my my Halo franchise things. I've got all the books and Hell an yeah. energy sword and a Halo tattoo, and the, the song just. I don't know. It speaks to me. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah, man. Like I, like I've always been a PlayStation guy, and um, the only like I've only really only ever played the first Halo. So when I say this is the national anthem of gamers, that means a lot because it really is. Like it, 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 everybody, when you hear this, you respect it. You know what it is. Um, Halo was a, a cultural phenomenon back in the day, and it was the only time I really was like jealous of kids that had an Xbox. And I was so happy that my roommate in college had an Xbox, so I could play finally fucking play Halo, I like the single player. Like my buddy had it, and we would play like the multiplayer all the time. But yeah. I finally got to sit down and beat it, and I, I literally sat down and I beat the campaign in one sitting. It's one of two video games I've ever done that with, <laughs> and uh, I, I there's just something about this song that is so evocative to a large portion of people in our age group. That is, uh, I don't know. It's 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 the video game music deserves more respect than it gets because it really does. It's it should be just as well respected as movie scores, if not maybe more, because you have to hear it over and over and over again as you're playing through and it just it's it's so brilliantly written i said the whole score of halo is all the games is so good and it's yeah. the same guy who does all of them. it's the martin o'donnell guy and he does such an amazing job yeah. doing all the music for it yeah it's genius I, I it know. starts off with that like ethereal the the o's that mm-hmm. everyone knows and then that like the strings that come in it makes you feel like like you're about to go on an adventure and i said it kind of sounds like game of thrones at at times but it was awesome. It's I hadn't heard the whole song. I'd only ever heard the like the O's. Oh, you never played. You never played Halo. I played Halo, but I don't remember hearing the song wow. playing Halo. Because I've played like Halo Three online, sure, and like sure. I never got super into it. But this was cool to 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 go back through with you and and hear. And I think you have a lot of interesting things to say about music. I know you you feel like it's not that interesting to you, but I think to me and Kev, you know, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I always love hearing like people's personal connections to a song because I have such a deep connection to literally everything I listen to. <laughs> so it's always fun for me. I just listen to weird stuff, so That's I always I love feel it. embarrassed of it. I'm no, like, no, no, oh, no. this is my like secret little song no, that I listen to. You're in to. good company. I love weird shit. Like, I, I tell her all the time, I'm like, if Kevin heard some of the shit you listen to, you guys might be better friends than me and you. I literally told you, like, all of the, everything you picked was awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And there's still a surprise for the end. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that you don't know. Oh, boy. We know. Uh-oh. But we'll get to it. You didn't That's know a, until yesterday, so. I know, I know. And I, um, so, whatever. We'll get into second picks. Uh, my second pick was Only One by Yellow Card. It's just one of the most important songs of my life because it opened my whole world into something new. Like, I was, I don't even know what I was listening to at that point jokingly still listening to Backstreet Boys as like a sure. sixth grader. Joking, and then quote unquote joking. Yeah, yeah, this is so dumb. Have you guys heard Backstreet Boys new album that I know everywhere too? Yeah. I um, used to jokingly serenade girls with Backstreet Boys, you know. <laughs> as I thought it was quote unquote funny. Yeah. 
secretly hoping it would just I did that too though drown me in pussy and it never worked <laughs> it never worked I feel like that's you and everything Dylan though yeah <laughs> that's true everything's a joke and then suddenly it's not a joke and <laughs> I've really dug myself in that's, a hole. that's your defense mechanism everything's just a half joke if you like it yeah I'm serious if not yeah just oh yeah <laughs> everything's a joke uh, but only one by yellow card this I heard this song on MySpace for the first time and it was on this girl that was a little bit older and she was so cool and like hearing this song I was like this song is really cool. Immediately X'd out of MySpace, went to sh- straight to Yahoo Music, looked up the music video, and it was just like, after that, that was how my whole, my, it opened my whole world up. So, you know, this song just changed everything. It was the first time there was someone that like felt so deeply, and the song is pretty dramatic, but yeah. I'm a pretty dramatic person too, and like, up until that point, I felt like it wasn't okay People are like, you're a dude. Why are you being so dramatic? It was like hearing music like this made me feel like I'm allowed to be dramatic because these guys are doing it and they make it sound awesome. So, you know, it emo boy finds emo music and falls in love. So, all right, is emo Stories music like the the founders of like the new woke movement where like boys can cry too? That kind of thing. I, I don't. I think they did it subconsciously yeah. because some of those bands are still problematic and they've done things that you're sure. like, oh, I'm not proud of that. But still, like. You were there for me when I was like still trying to sort out my feelings. And that's that's a pretty cool th- thing to have to look back on. And not to mention this chorus is so fucking yeah. wide open and just like he screams it, he belts it, the drummer, and then they have a violinist. There's just so much to like about Yellow Card. And they were, it was more than just like a surface level uh, pop punk band back then. But the song kills it every time and I love it. Yeah, so my interpretation of this was middle school to freshman Dill, and you had just gotten your heart broken for the first time. I mean, <laughs> so there was there been. was there was a girl involved, but I'm I've missing the mark pretty hard here, and I feel bad about. <laughs> maybe I'm not as good of friends with you as I thought. Dylan, That's okay. And I apologize, and I need maybe we need to have another like uh, dinner date or something. Yeah, and really just talk about what <laughs> we don't know. We about need to figure other. each other out. <laughs> After we did the newlywed, we thought we were so spot on. Yeah, we thought we were great. We thought we were in a really good spot, but I don't know if we are anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, when listening to this, I remember Yellow Card fondly. And I, we've talked about this before, where this is a part in my musical life where I was being very snobby about music. And I just didn't give this stuff a chance. Because I was like, oh, whatever. It's not real rock. It's not real metal, blah, 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 whatever I was thinking at the time. Um, it's pretty standard emo st- Ask time stuff for the time until you get to that um, anthemic chorus and it's like oh shit this is something different and something new and something cool and I think that's I, I think I'm so glad that I have softened on stuff like this because I'm going back through like stuff that I missed when I was going through college or like my late um, high school years and um, even after like when I was just kind of in a weird dark place for a little bit when I was after I dropped out of college and I just didn't wasn't listening to this stuff and so going back and listening to it and hearing what I've missed is really interesting to me because this chorus fucks hard like it's awesome and then the, uh, fiddles with violins I don't know what the, what the difference is really to be honest with you but the, the, <laughs> that and that and those in the bridge were like I, I just like oh that's an interesting touch I, that's something I would never expect to hear in a yellow card song of all places so um, yeah so yeah it's a, it's a it's a cool track from a uh, like a genre i haven't been wild about but i'm slowly starting to discover Mm -hmm. so uh so you got anything on that i would say this whole like playlist thing reminds me so much of like a a myspace place myspace playlist (laughs) like it's like what do you want to show other people that reflects you as a person and any song emo song that has violins and string music in it really 
that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. And plus, like, I guess it it's kind of like TikTok now. Like, if you hear a song from TikTok, you're like, whoa, that I'm can't be- I can't imagine a world where I didn't hear that song. Yep. And so just like randomly finding someone's MySpace profile and hearing this song just like changed my life forever. And that's that's cool. Didn't we talk about like how kids find new music now? It's got to be through TikTok. Yeah. Because for it's, me, it was MTV and like the radio. I'm like, sad MySpace isn't a thing anymore. It you, still ex- you can still visit profiles. I, I couldn't find mine. I yeah, tried the other They deleted day. a lot of them. Um, I think a lot of YouTube too. Yeah. Like related yeah, videos. That's true. and That's true. Because I, I don't really watch people on YouTube, but I know YouTube's still pretty big. Oh, I'm, I'm constantly on YouTube. Music's a huge thing. There's a whole like subsection of YouTube for music um, and Vivo and all that shit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had something to say, but I forget what it is. So if you guys are ready to move on, we'll do that. Let's do it. Um, so my second pick is the, the crossroads by bone thugs and harmony. Uh, again, this is another th- song I heard probably right around the same time as, uh, one. And I, you know, I was aware of, of hip hop and gangster rap at the time, but I'd never really sat down and listened to it and been blown away by it. Mostly cause I probably wasn't allowed to listen to it at the time. My parents weren't super strict, but they did kind of restrict some things for me. Like I wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies for a while. I was probably like 15, 14, 13. I don't know. Right around. I was a teenager before the time I saw my first rated R movie. Um, and it was at the drive-in movie theater. Uh, what was it? I don't remember what it was, but I know it was at the drive-in. Cause I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I get to see my first uh, rated R movie tonight. Um, but yeah, so I saw the video for it and I was like, man, this looks really cool. And I really like the way they kind of did it. Um, it's about, I think, one of their friends passing away and we'll meet you at the crossroads. You're, never, you're not going to be alone, all that shit. Um, and I could have put California Love here with Dr. Dre and Tupac. Tupac was very formative for me as far as like hip hop and music in general. I think uh, that's why he's always better than Biggie for me, just because I listened to him more growing up. I have a more personal connection to Tupac and the music that he made specifically through California Love because of that Mad Max video. Um, it just looked really cool. sounded cool. Again, not this song, um, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the flow of Bone Thugs is what really gripped me. I'd never heard something like so laid back, but also incredibly fast at the same time. So, uh, you know, shout out Busy Bone, who's the main like fast rapper for Bone Thugs. Um, it just something about it just seemed so much cooler than what I was listening to at the time. And I just, it, I had to have more of it. I needed to figure out what this like form of music was that I was missing out on. Cause I grew up in a suburban white family who didn't listen to hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my only exposure to it was whatever I could sneak through MTV. And I lived in a suburban white neighborhood. So there wasn't a lot of kids listening to hip hop either. So I kind of had to really dig for it myself. And that's hard. It was hard to do as a kid without the internet for most of my childhood. Um, and so I, Hip hop kind of became an obsession for me because it was so the access to it was so limited for me until I could have my own money and drive to the record store and buy my own shit and you know not be age restricted by my parents. So I think that's why Eminem has such a big thing for me because it was like the first album I ever bought was uh, the Marshall Mathers LP, like with my own money. So yeah, one of his actual good ones. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to get into an Eminem argument with you. Um, so what, what are your thoughts, uh, uh, dude? Bone thugs are so cool, yeah, man. They awesome. they make they make it seem so effortless. And there's a lot of try hard rappers now, but like back then it was like it almost felt like someone just took a, a mic and like followed these guys around as they were like doing cool shit in their lives. And you just want to be a part of it. Um 
I remember my cousin showing me Ghetto Cowboy by them, and oh, I was like, fuck. this is the fucking coolest song I've ever heard. I Ghetto Cowboy. <laughs> and it's just unlike anything I've ever heard. Even, like, they kind of blend R&B and, and hip-hop because they don't have people coming on singing their choruses. They do their own choruses, and they still make it sound really good. And, uh, you know, it could, without knowing the context of the song, it could easily be, like, a takedown song. Mm -hmm. Like, I got some candles lit, I got some wine poured, <laughs> let's listen to some Bone Thugs. Yeah. Meet me at the crossroads. We'll we'll have a little duel or something. Is that mm -hmm. what you're talking about? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, a duel with someone's penis. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. We didn't oh we didn't make a penis joke last week, so I feel like we really needed to make one. I might have missed the mark. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> but it's okay, because I got a, got a laugh, got a reaction. That's all that matters, Dill. Um, Zoe, you got anything on this this boy here? On that note, no. Uh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 don't, I don't blame you. So. I might have ruined momentum for that song. No, no, no. It's okay. It's a great song. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. If you haven't listened to Bone Thugs, listen to him. Uh, so, Zoe, let's go into your second pick here. All right. I'm going to butcher the title of this song. It's <laughs> Mahabali Maharuba. Oh. Ruda, I don't know. That's, I think that's as good as any one of us could have done. It's so. off the uh, the Hanuman soundtrack, which is a Indian soundtrack. I'm not really sure, uh, but this song was always played. Like my mom loved Bollywood music growing up, and she played it all the time. And I was always super confused why none of the other kids knew what this weird Bollywood music was growing <laughs> up. And she would like jam it in the car when she went to pick us up from school, and it was always super embarrassing. And that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of my mom just embarrassing the crap out of me as a kid because no one knew what this was. Yeah. Like up until a couple years ago, we didn't even know what this was. And my sure. sister found it accidentally and she sent oh, it to all of us. Fun. And she was like, guys, remember this part of her childhood that was scarring and horrible. Hell so yeah. that's what this reminds me of. As an adult, I, I love it. I get why she jammed to it all the time. But it just has such a... I don't know, strong connotation with childhood to me and, and embarrassing in a good way. But <laughs> sure. Yeah, but it, it's such a good song. Um, once you start listening to it, I make you listen to it. I'm a little embarrassed to make you listen to no, it. No, I like it. It's just got such a, a strong Bollywood, so much happening vibe going on, which is kind of how their music is. It's just mm. a big production of all kinds of things happening, of Middle Eastern music that's it's just so good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I, I love this. I love world music in general. Uh, I just haven't made it super far into like the East. So I, I, I'm aware of like Indian and uh, I'm not, I think this is Indian. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it's like the Bollywood Indian Hindi. It's it's group. near to far East. <laughs> let's just call, let's just call it that. Um, if for for those of you that uh, are paying attention, Hanuman was the name of one of the Rodrigo Gabriela tracks. I think it was yeah. the one of the Indian folk band. I thought it sounded familiar. So um, I don't know what the connection is there, but anyway, just a little factoid. It's all connected, man. Go back and listen to Rodrigo Gabriela. Rodrigo Gabriela. Eleven, eleven. Yeah, great, great, uh, great album. Anyway. I did it again. That was back in instrumental April. We're it just was. trying to get people to. We're plugging our past episodes. That's true. That's true. Go listen to our back catalog. So I think Hanuman is like the the monkey god from like oh, Journey yeah. to the West, yes. which is a big Bollywood thing. Yeah, if you like Dragon Ball Z, you like Journey to the West because that's what it's based off of. At least the you know the extended pole and the monkey tail and all that shit. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I I really love like Eastern music because 
there's Western music conventions that we're all used to, like a four four, and you know Eastern European. Uh, or sorry, like with the Western world and Europe, Europe, we're used to like the classical music standards that they set. And like, these are the rules for music and Eastern music didn't necessarily follow those. Like if you listen to classical Chinese or Japanese or anything from that kind of peninsula or like Indian music, they, they operate on different time signatures a lot. Um, there's a, uh, an interesting, I forget what this song is called, but it actually operates on the Fibonacci sequence where it actually like speeds up based on like a mathematical formula. And I don't know if they did that on purpose. It's just, that's the way math works is that it makes sense to speed up at a certain rate. And it, it happens to be the Fibonacci sequence in, uh, in Indian music, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's just really cool to listen to different vocal techniques, especially because those are noises we don't normally make in our life. Uh, so it's very like, interesting and beautiful for me to listen to. So thank you for picking this because I wasn't expecting a Bollywood-esque song today. <laughs> um, definitely, I love hearing like the the modern pop influences. Like this is in a 4-4, I'm pretty sure, but still has all of those cool, what I consider exotic touches. So Yeah, and I think when we first started dating, you were like, my taste in music is just strange. And this is one of the first things you showed me. And I, it's... It's really cool to hear because it's not music I would necessarily find on my own. So that's kind of the whole point of the the podcast. So you did good. Thank you. And speaking of like finding like a childhood song, like all of a sudden that happened to Ben and I recently. We used to listen to a like it was like a really bad like 90s techno remix of a Bob Marley song. We fucking jammed that shit constantly when we were young. And I like I don't know what we remember which one of us found it, but one of us sent it to the other and we were just flabbergasted for like a day we're like this is the greatest moment of my life i remember just <laughs> on yahoo chat or whatever we were doing on the internet those days and our winamp media player just jamming this bob marley cover that's uh, pretty bad objectively <laughs> but it, it holds such strong emotional value to us and we were just like hell yeah just, just put a big smile on our face so that's always fun trying to find these songs is always really hard like you're yeah. trying to google like i don't obviously speak the language they're speaking so i'm like trying to type in like what i think the words would be and yeah. you're like song after google and just see uh -huh. like how bad it butchers whatever you're trying to find because oh. you don't know what you're looking for yeah. yeah it's like trying to how do i unlock this memory and then track it down it's really hard well it's so difficult too because that time like on like the illegal streaming days like people would label bands just incorrectly like i thought sweet emotion or not no it was uh dream on was a uh led zeppelin song for the longest time <laughs> Because because that's what I had it on my and, Napster. As I was like, oh, this is a Led Zeppelin song. Sure, it sounds like to me as a kid. I was like, yeah, that sounds like that. Until like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> until Guitar Hero Aerosmith came out, and you're like, what the fuck is a Led Zeppelin song Excuse going on here? Me. <laughs> I told my dad that, and he's like, yeah, who else would be able to do that but Steven Tyler? I was like, that doesn't sound like the Steven Tyler I know. No, it doesn't. Um, so I was like, yeah, I just thought that was Led Zeppelin for like a, a large <laughs> chunk of my life, like ten years, and uh, yeah, it sucked. I thought Steven Tyler and. Uh, bon Jovi were the same person, so you know, he, I've I've confused a lot of people. Like I thought the guy from Smash Mouth was uh, Uncle Cracker, Guy Fieri. Yeah, they all what? I they look a lot alike. They do, and I I actually tweeted at him like <laughs> last year. I tweeted at the guy from Smash Mouth, and I was like, I thought Uncle Cracker and Smash Mouth were the same person, and he's like, I love him like cornflakes, but we ain't the same person. <laughs> Like okay, that's such a weird thing to say too. Like, who loves cornflakes? That's not a term of endearment. Like, <laughs> cornflakes are good, but I'd rather be having frosted. It's maybe like, this guy is just an acquaintance. I maybe guess. Uncle Cracker, you know, is good for his cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Like, hanging out with him is just like really good for my cholesterol. 
<laughs> I think it's good for your cholesterol. I think that's Cheerios. Oh. Cheerios. I think you're thinking. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. We've unraveled. We've unraveled. Let's um, uh, let's let's bring it back okay. on track. Bill, your third pick here. <laughs> the unraveling's my fault too. It's um, okay. <laughs> my third pick is this Modern Love by Block Party. Uh, the song is really fun, but in the context of How I Met Your Mother, it's like the coolest song I've ever seen on any form of media ever. Just because it's the guy doing all he can for a girl he really wants. And that's like the hopeless romantic in me. That's why I like How I Met Your Mother so much is like the guy gets beat down quite a bit, but he's still not giving up and just always trying to do, um, always trying to do the big gesture to, to make someone realize how much he cares. And I always thought that was really cool. And this song plays in one of the, the big moments of the show. And so it got me listening to the song outside of the show, which I'd, I'd heard of Block Party. Me and Dalton listened to a bunch of songs actually from this album. I, I just somehow had missed this song. And they have a live version of this that I really like, but I didn't put it on there because I really wanted to talk about How I Met Your Mother in the context of that. So, yeah, this Modern Love by Block Party, it has a really cool, like, the last minute of the song where it's just like everything culminates and it feels like he said all he needs to say and then the the instruments come in everything comes in and then the song kind of just like tails off and he says like do you want to just come over and kill some time and i was like yeah that's cool that's cool as hell so even if you know it's not going to work out it's like you know you still want to try you know so that's kind of the whole point of how about your mother anyway so yeah yeah zoe i'll let you go first you got anything on this guy no. Okay. <laughs> I was not prepared for this. It's okay. Unfortunately. We'll, we'll just move, keep this train right a rolling. Um, so, uh, so based on, again, I was trying to guess on what this, what the importance of this song was for you. You totally missed the mark again. I should have figured you'd try to railroad me into watching How I Met Your Mother again at some point. Um, not going to do it. I promised you I would never no, watch bo- it. No, both of you. I won't make you watch it. <laughs> just like most of it. Out yeah. of context, like in a weird sequence. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this reminds me of an episode. Sometimes something yes, happens and I'm like, to me. you just watch just five minutes. It's funny. It ha- it's applicable to what we're talking about right now. But you bo- you're bo- both your opinions mean so much that like, I don't want you to watch it and not like it. So I just would rather you not watch well, it. At this yeah. Point. I promised you like what, three years ago that I would never watch it because mm-hmm. you tried so hard to get me to watch it. So just out of spite for the rest of my life, I'm never going to watch. How yeah, much that's fair. <laughs> I just remember you making that list on like the blackboard at work of like the top, how I met your mother episodes. With that was me coworker. and someone else. Yeah. But I still remember that like working and there was like a list of like how I met your mother episodes. She goes, we're going to watch that day and just being like, I'm good. I'm just going to go to a different room yeah. and do something else. That's a, that's a throw your headphones in kind of break. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to the roast of Dylan continues. <laughs> back to uh, back to the the episode here. Uh, so yeah, just based on this intro, it felt newer. I'm assuming it's a newer song than the last two. Um, I don't know if it is or not, but it just felt like it had a more modern touch to it. Um, so I said uh, maybe this was you in like your rough teenage years, or you were going through something, or. But there was nothing that really stuck out to me as like a moment you could attach this to. So maybe it was just the angst in it that really kind of stuck in your craw. Um, and I really do. I like the energy in this song quite a bit. You kind of already touched on uh, just a little bit there. Um, but it's frenetic in the um, instrumental. But the vocal is almost relaxed to like, I would almost call it like sedated to the point of almost being like a spoken word. Um, which which shocked me listening to it. I was like, oh, this is this is not what I would expect from Dylan to like from a vocal. Um, but it, it paints a really cool picture of almost like a manic depression where it's like 
everything's swirling around you, but you're still kind of like in this sedated state, like in your own self. And I really kind of enjoyed that energy to it. I didn't really look at the lyrics for this one. Um, I just kind of listened to it and kind of let myself kind of be swept up in the the musicality of it. And I really, really liked that version of it where it was like, this is a guy who's trapped inside himself, but is still very much aware of the whirlwind swirling around him in the world. And I really, really, really liked that picture that it painted for me. So, Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I did. I liked it a lot. I liked all your picks today. I tried to not keep it in one genre. I think we all did that, though. Yeah. I think we all picked very vastly different things for every song. Yeah, I wanted it to I wanted to make sure I got to talk about each genre that I really love and why I love it love it so much or what started me on the journey. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, let's move on to number 3 for me, correct? Yes. Is that what we're doing? Uh so Land of Sunshine by Faith No More. I know I didn't I went a week without talking about Faith No More, so I really needed to get it in and uh it was just really killing me. <laughs> So, they need to make a Disney soundtrack. Is what shockingly, you're at. Mike Patton hasn't done a Disney soundtrack. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is this is the song. Um, I, I it's no secret that I love Faith no more. And this was a huge moment for me. Not only the song, but this album in general, Angel Dust. I've talked about it before. It's not. It's widely regarded as like probably their best work, like as a whole. Um, there's some other ones, some of their later stuff that I like a little better, I think, uh, just because I've become more of a Faith No More snob. <laughs> so I don't want to pick the, the the one everybody likes. Um, but when I first heard this, uh, my older brother, who really kind of helped shape a lot of my like journey through metal and music in general, he likes really weird shit. He's the one that introduced me to Guar, to Faith No More to mindless self-indulgence like all of those like really weird bands that i really love he introduced me to fintroll um so he he's always like looking for weird shit to, to send to me and um this this album and this song in particular really took my metal listening to a different level um i because at that point i was like to a uh, at a point where i was listening to metal and just trying to get darker and darker and heavier and heavier with it and I thought that's what metal had to be. I thought it had to be eventually like I'm getting to Norwegian death metal. Like I'm working my way up to there. That's what <laughs> that, that was my mindset at the time. But then I heard Angel Dust. And I was like, oh, shit, this is metal. Like you can't not call it metal, but it's like clean production and it's super layered and like just incredible vocals from Mike Patton. And it really kind of broadened what my perspective of music as a whole was but specifically metal like I, I re- this is where I really started to like seek out more melodic metal because I was like trying to force myself into this like I have to love screamers I have to love the, the gutter I have to love that shit if I'm going to be a true metalhead but you don't have to and this this album really showed me that and it's just this this song as it gives me a Pavlovian response because when I hear that just that immediate jump into it's a that's the beginning of the album we talk about that all the time like you have no time to catch your breath like okay you're listening to a Faith No More album now and uh, it's it's perfect it's got the rock solid bass lead um, cool enough guitars and then Mike Patton's incredible kind of virtuosic performance throughout the whole song um, I love the part where it's like he says senile. But he says it in such like an operatic way. It's like I, it took me forever to figure out what he was saying. It's like comatose, like that part. Um, and then he goes, see now. And it's like, but he says it in like, he does it. He goes like, I don't know. He's a crazy person. But he's such a fucking nerd. He's, he's a huge <laughs> nerd. And I think that's why I like him so much. <laughs> this is like a, a metal opera song or yeah. something. I don't know. It, it definitely has like, whoa, this song has gone in a million different directions. And this is, I think, the song you said sound like gore. Gore. Gore? Gore. Yeah. Gore. 
Yeah. And, can, yeah, go ahead. No, I could definitely see that connection there for sure because it's got um, uh, David Brockie's vocals kind of sound similar sometimes. And I, I forgot how much I loved bass forward music. Oh, like We've been away from uh, New Metal March long enough for me to like miss a bass forward <laughs> yeah. song. So it was good to like hear how awesome and how like momentous that that kind of music can be and uh, you can definitely feel everything that faith no more has to offer like if if i was going to show someone faith no more i think this would be a good song to show them first yeah and uh it's definitely like if this is your first introduction to them like growing up and this is what your brother showed you like this would be a really cool and like catchy way to get someone's attention with it yeah because it is all over the place and that's kind of my my speed for music yeah, and this is this is like I said, this is the album that ends with the cover of Easy. So mm-hmm. it, you you go from this being the first song to that really cool cover of Easy, being the last song. Like you run the gamut. Like he doesn't, he's not afraid of bending genres. And I, I think that's what I really like about Faith No More, and why I think they do, like influence a lot of bands that come after them. So, mm-hmm. um, Zoe, did you have anything other than your Guar comparison there? I'll say that Faith No More is so good. Yeah. It's one of those ones that I kind of easily forget about when I get caught up in other music but it's a band that I listened to when I was younger it's the same sort of thing where I was talking about where it's Metallica that newer music I was getting into that it's not really newer it was all old music when I listened to it but it's just so good it's one of those ones that'll come up occasionally I'll be like oh like I forgot about that your dad listened to Faith No More right oh absolutely that's right but yeah it's one of those ones you're just like I forgot how good they are. Yeah. I remember Dylan sent me a Snapchat of the first time I talked about Faith No More, and you turned on a song that you remembered from your child, and I was like, hell yeah, fuck yeah. I'm not the only weird one that loves Faith No More. She was fortunate to have her dad play like that kind of music, and my dad played like 80s rock, or 80s like hair metal. And POV. I heard a Hot-Blooded by uh, um, Warrant, or whoever no, it was. Uh, no, it's Foreigner. Foreigner. Right? Freaking Hot. He had a, one, a CD with one song on it, so we'd be down in the basement. I heard Hot Blooded for an entire winter, like practicing my baseball swing in the basement. Let's be honest. I grew up with a very emo parent who had a mohawk and was wore a trench coat to school. And oh, yeah. was... see, that's cool. And then you had a mom that was like, <laughs> whatever my mom is. Yeah. In hindsight, that's cool, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not as cool growing like up. When you're but... in high school, you don't want to hang out with that kid. But like five years later, like, oh man, I bet that kid was fucking awesome. Like I... as an adult now, I can look back on his stuff and be like that's really cool yeah. like i like that but i he was a loser in high school let's be honest like <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's the losers in high school that always end up being fucking cool mm-hmm. like i wish like i was more of a loser i guess same <laughs> no i really do i struggled with that for a long time because i felt like i need to be like i was the jock i needed to fix that persona so i hid a lot of my persona away and i really like had a water sh- like as soon as i graduated i wrote this big long thing on facebook like this is the real me none of you know me blah 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 so, um, yeah, no, I get it. I wish I was more of a loser in high school. <laughs> oh, I feel that too. Like my sisters are way cooler than I'll ever be. They, yeah. they're their own thing. And I was never that in high school. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zoe, you're up. It's number three for you. Say, so, uh, my number three song is I like to dance by the band hot shell Ray. Um, hot shell Ray is, was one of the first bands that I obsessed over yeah. as like a young teenager. Yeah. It's a teenage girl band for sure. So I couldn't just pick one of their normal songs that people knew. So I went back to their their earlier music, where I think 2009 was when the song came out, which was before I was a fan. But I still, I still love this song. It's it it feels early 2000s-y when you listen to it. it their really does. cover album cover is atrocious with their emo <laughs> swoopy hair. And but also, like when you get into a band, it's like 
I want to hear. I want to get into the deep cuts. Like you, yeah. there's an album you get into, and then you're like, it doesn't matter how bad it is. I want to go back to the beginning. That way, when I hear a concert, and they're like, "Who wants to hear something from our first album?" And you're like, "Yeah, I'm the only one of you fuckers that knows this song." Okay, let's be <laughs> honest. I was a little gatekeeper. I was like, "I know this song." <laughs> if you don't like, <laughs> I just I like to dance. Then you can't like Hot Show I, Ray. I hate gatekeeping material, like like behavior more than anything. But man, does it feel good? Like oh, you don't yeah. fucking know this. You're There's just, a reason it happens. You ass. I love doing that to kids with band tees, even though I know that's like a meme to do right now. <laughs> But like I see a kid with like a Master of Puppets shirt on. He's like 14. Like, hey, oh, cool. What's your favorite song off Master of Puppets? Like, I love that album. And like, okay, take your fucking shirt off, buddy. I had to, I had to wade the muck and grime of liking metal through <laughs> high school. Yeah, you're wearing your Blink shirt. What's your favorite song off Dude Ranch? Bitch. <laughs> it's so anyway, stupid. so stupid and cringy, but we are protective of our music. Yes. We have to be. But yeah, I remember going to a concert uh, for them when I was like 14. And my mom, being my mom, she was like, do you want to meet the band after? And so she went full creepy and we like stood up back by the tour bus Hell and yeah. like waited for them. And I got like signatures. And I have pictures of super cringy. Like I'm 14, like posing with these members at the band pictures. But yeah. don't worry, we're going to post that with our Instagram. Oh, please don't post <laughs> those pictures. They're so bad. <laughs> I kind of want to see them to be perfectly honest. So with your permission. Go yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to pause go. real quick. Yeah. Okay, so we showed the picture. Uh, we're going to post it to our Instagram yeah, as well because yeah. Zoe looks so cute, and so does that guy, I guess. Yeah, like, that guy, I don't he's know. super he looks- Did you say he's super cute because he's like metrosexual kind of thing going on? I guess. <laughs> Look, yeah, it's 2021. I'm not judging. You can think He has like want. the tattoo across. <laughs> he does. The, he has a chest tattoo. Yeah. I used to know what it said. I could not tell you anymore. Mm. But- I bet it's a... Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anything else about I Like to Dance before we move on? No? Okay. So, song number four. Oh, yeah. Wait, you're not, you're just, you didn't say anything about it. I didn't say anything about oh, it. Oh, go, go ahead. I'm just going to wipe that to pages of history, huh? Yep. Um, so, no, I, I I remember this band and I remember this song. And I this is, again, one of those song, those things I wrote off as like sissy boy music. And I just didn't want to listen to it. And it still is that. Like, this is music for girls. Like, I get it. Like, this that was their main target audience. And, but I'm, I'm old enough now to realize what it is and that's that's what they were trying to do and if they weren't trying to please me like i thought every musician should back in the day cater to me this is you make music for me or nothing and so i, I you know i've grown up since then and uh i want to make a meme with a guy from a uh, gladiator with the thumbs down i'm gonna superimpose your face on it with just the boom, thumbs down no i do that. thumbs down to Chacho ray <laughs> For the longest time, I hated jo- Joaquin Phoenix because of that role. I thought yeah. he was just the biggest asshole, and I didn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but no, I could really see this as like you know a young girl as you were at the time using this as like a platform to kind of spring into other kinds of music and like really kind of like finding that first big band that you really fall in love with. I think is a huge, huge deal, and I think that's it's cool. I think however you can get into music. Um, whether I think it's good or not, or, you know, or, you know, if it wasn't for me specifically, <laughs> I think there's, there's a validity to that. And no matter how you get into it, I think that's cool. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I'm kind of ashamed of the way I felt at the time of about music like this, because it was very, um, immature. Also like you and I talk about it a, f- a few times, whether it's on air or off the air, I can't remember, but we were like, it's not as cool to hate things anymore. Yeah. So it's more just like, you can appreciate for what it is now. And I think it, had we done this podcast six years ago, you and I probably would have been 
very pro or against things and now we can just kind of see things a little more clearly for what they are yeah it certainly would have been a lot less mature than it is i think we can look at it like through an adult lens like hey you know we can see the value in this just because we don't necessarily it's not necessarily something we would listen to day in and day out it doesn't mean it doesn't have value yeah so yeah i kind of had the same experience that zoe did with hot shell ray with just other bands where you would wait outside their no but this was like music like this was my gateway into music yeah. like like i said boys like girls that was the first album i ever bought with like my own money and um mine was know. sugar ray so don't feel bad like, yeah mine's just as embarrassing <laughs> like that 1492 album got the wheels played off of it. i mean but they were in scooby-doo so yeah fair enough they came to mount st joseph my freshman year and it was free and i didn't go because i was oh. so embarrassed for my love at that point i was like i listened to you them. could have seen his frosted tips in real life i, could have, I love I could you have. so much i can't see him yeah. yeah that's right i couldn't i couldn't look mark mcgrath in the eye <laughs> <laughs> it's it too much it's like burning staring into the sun um anyway sorry let's move on but no, I think there's something to be said about the first band that gets you into music and thinking yeah, about music in a different way. Um, so, my fourth pick, Carl Barker by Dance to Gavin Dance. There's a lot of evolutions of Dance to Gavin Dance, and I know I've talked about them like intermittently, and I think this is the first time I've actually used one of their songs, because we ended up doing Strawberry Girls, which kind of has a loose affiliation with Dance to Gavin Dance, but... This song is wild. Mm-hmm. And I remember like the jazzy guitar that opened the song up. I don't even remember how I heard it, but it was like very much reminded me of Strawberry Girls. So And I think this got me ready to be able to hear Strawberry Girls all years later. Because this is kind of what I've been searching for for many, many years. Hearing this, I was like, I've never heard anything like this. The rest of the album is good, but nowhere near the caliber of this song. And it's like those jazzy guitars, the the drums that are just like endless. And they feel like pop-punk drums, but almost pop-punk metal somehow, kind of mishing, or mashing genres together, and I really liked that. And then the, the clean vocal performance I thought was really cool, and then the screamer kind of just out of nowhere. I love it, dude. It's just it. like a, a fever dream of a song, and hearing this when I was 17 years old just spun me around. I was like, this is not scream Like, wouldn't... When you grow up, you think like, well, this isn't pop punk. This isn't screamo. This isn't what, like you have everything like split into categories and this just took all the categories and just like shook it up and threw it back at you. Yeah. So this kind of changed my whole perspective on music and it was a really cool first song to hear that kind of did that. Yeah. It's kind of like what Faith No More did for me. Same kind of thing where they just kind of took genres and just kind of shook them in a jar. I'm like, oh, there we go. This is what we're doing for this one. <laughs> um, and you know, I I, I, uh, I I think I got this one the most correct where I said this was young college deal. And it is like, I can't tell if this is new or old Gavin Dance, Gavin Dance, because I know you said you've listened to both. I guessed it was older. Um, I think I'm right on that, right? It was 2009, I want to say. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's definitely older. Um but yeah, so I just, I, and I thought you liked this just because of, of how wild it was. That they, I was like, I could see you listening to this and be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like, hell yeah, let's, this is, oh, those guitars are sweet. Oh, this screamer's awesome. Like, kind of the same experience I just had with it when I listened to it for the first time was, uh, we had just, we've just done Strawberry Girls and Ben Roses It, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Is that how you say it? Not Ross It? Yeah, Ben Rosette. Rosette. We're still not going to get it. Whatever. Sorry, man. I, I, hopefully, you're still listening to the podcast. <laughs> um, 
The only celebrity to ever listen to the podcast, we fucked it up. We can't say his name right. Uh, Super sweet guy. We had a cool conversation with him on Instagram for a second. Um, But uh, yeah, this reminds me of his style of music a lot. And I even wrote, like I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, where it feels like all that remains, like early all that remains to me, where it was guitar wizards doing their thing, but then vocals kind of doing another thing, um, where they, they also have two vocalists, like a clean and a scream. And uh, I just really, really dig this style of music because it reminds me of when I saw All That Remains from my first ever concert at OzFest 03. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? I didn't know you could do this in music. And uh, yeah, I just really, really, really dug this song. And I dig this sound quite a bit. This kind of like jazz fusion metal, whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, you have any thoughts though? I say so much of the song reminds me of like walking into a band room and like listening to everyone just kind of like riff and do yeah. their own thing to warm up. And that's what it reminds me of is just like high school and it was like all your your best players. You have like the guitar player doing his thing and then the drum player warming up and it's just everyone kind of riffing together, but it works in the best way. Yeah, this this song was like them kind of branching out of the old Dance Gavin Dance and this was kind of the new wave and they ended up getting a vocalist after this. So they really started once they like settled on a vocalist because they bounced back and forth between vocalists for so long once they found like a consistent person that's when they've really gotten good and this was like i'd listen to them because they had an old vocalist it was great but kept leaving the band and coming back and this was like whoa like you said it's like an amalgamation of whatever the fuck people are good at Play what you're good at and we'll throw it on a track together. We'll make it work, yeah. We'll do it. We'll edit it in post. And it works like the best way possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I really I really do like it. Because it does, you're right, it does sound kind of improv- improvisational. Especially with like the guitars just going fucking here, there, and the other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sick. Sick, sick track, Dill. You ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. If you guys are ready to roll. Yeah. All right. Let's go on this trip together. Let's do it. let's start the episode that was all warm up (laughs) Uh, did you you hit record and go okay cool Uh, so so my fourth pick for the beginning of the episode is uh, Bass Nectar Here We Go Um, and this really honestly this should have been Aerodynamic by Daft Punk it really should have been because that's really what started my love for EDM but there was a point in my life where I just didn't I stopped listening to it I was like yeah whatever I know what it is I get it it was it was we were still kind of in that Euro trash, like uh, Benny Benassi. Uh, like I love cinema and I love like um, satisfaction. Like I love old Benny Benassi, but it's like, okay, I get what, to, I get what EDM is at this point. And then I stopped listening to it. Then all of a sudden I heard Bass Nectar do a remix of Seek and Destroy by Metallica. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like I didn't know you can do an electronic version of metal and make it maybe more metal than the original one. And Seek and Destroy is a hard song. Um, and so I was like, okay, I got to listen to this bass nectar guy. And then I, I heard this song. I believe that the name of the album is Time Stretch. I believe that's the name of the album. Um, it's got a really weird album cover. But I heard this is the first. This, what? Zoe liked the album cover. Yeah, it's cool. Like he, he like Koza Frenzy. He has like a like bunch of elephants. He's got a very particular style that he likes for his album art. Um, this one's like a mechanical bird or something like I think that. It's like a hummingbird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. Um, it's just it's kind of weird. It's not something I expected to see from like an EDM, where it's usually like out in space and lasers. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. I, as soon as I heard this this title track, I was like, all right, fuck yeah, here we go, let's go. I'm back in. I was I was immediately back into the EDM train, and I was a huge bass head. Like, um, 
dubstep only guy for the longest time and then it kind of got stale but this bass nectar still feels fresh to me in the especially in the um the dubstep like bass head genre he does it's more melodic it only it feels more like a regular song other than just like wah, 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 like a lot of dubstep can be and uh, i just really really love it and um it just really brought me back into edm and i've never been the same since like i've been to more edm shows than i have anything else in my life and i just i really really enjoy that form of music and this is this is the exact song that brought me back into it like full time and uh you know bass nectar's been me too recently so it feels weird to say like like he like inspired me to get back into a form of music um but he really did and i think if you can separate the art from the artist like his latest album is really fucking good too like I loved it. Like I wanted to talk about it on the place right around when we started talking about the podcast and I wanted to do it, but he's like, Oh no, he just did some gross stuff to women and I can't talk about this guy. So yeah. And, uh, but yeah, no, outside of that, I really do like the music that he's made and he inspired a whole new musical journey for me. So yeah, for, for EDM, I kind of like just talking about how it made me feel. And I felt like this was a song that was playing in like a parkour fight scene. In a James Bond movie, maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, maybe, it maybe, because um, I think they did it in Casino Royale. There was like a parkour fight or like chase scene, and I thought that was the music that was playing was so cool. And this reminds me of that. And yeah, it's it's a cool song. It goes long. It is long. It is repetitive. It could have been about a minute and a half shorter than it was. But that was exactly what I was gonna say. Like, it was good, good, and then you're like, all right, the song still is there an, an out outro to this song we can only go so many times bass nectar you said here we go three times the fourth is a bit too we've, much but. here we've gone <laughs> the outro <laughs> you're looking back and he's still back there like just still trying to psych himself up like okay here we go here we go come on guy we're here we're gone you got anything though i said edm music just always reminds me of like dancing and being super sweaty like it's yeah. just going and going and going and going yep. and just like but at some point, that all kind of blends together, and you're like, "Oh, this song is—it's still the same song." <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I mean, that kind of perfectly describes an EDM show. It's like there's no breaks, and I think the first time I went to one, I was like, "Oh, like they're not going to stop and talk to us. They're just going to keep playing." Oh, we've been listening to music for an hour and a half already. Like this is awesome. It reminds me four songs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Tyler, who we mentioned uh, earlier in the episode. It reminds me of him when we when we go out dancing like for bachelor parties and stuff. He's like fist pumping the whole oh, time, yeah. and he's like so sweaty. And he'll come over and be like, "You think I need a water?" I'm like, "I think you do. <laughs> I think you knew that too. Like, why'd you ask, ask me?" <laughs> but then he'd hear the music, and he's like, and he'd go back out there. I'm like, "Do I need to take him a water?" <laughs> he needs a little camel pack just so we can still fist pump. And he's hands down the funniest person to watch at like those kind of things. Is he like sound activated? I don't know. Just but he couldn't fight it. He was like, oh, shit. I got to go back out there. Will you bring me water? <laughs> and don't trick me with a vodka water. I need a real water. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's what an EDM show is, though. It just kind of it gets in, and you can't help it. And then by the time you know it, it's been two and a half hours. And mm-hmm. You've just been jumping up and down, and your calves really hurt. 
So <laughs> you're in the back of the ambulance getting fluid pushed through you. Right. Because you can't, you can only go straight up and down because there's so many people packed around you. And so you're like, Oh, okay, well I got to do, especially me. Cause I'm a wide person. You're just <laughs> cramping in this position. Yep, like fist yep. pumping still. It's the only, it's, I think that might be why the fist pump is an EDM thing. It's cause it's all you can do in an EDM show. Mm-hmm. Unless you're the asshole that wants to have his girlfriend grind on him. And then you just take up the space for seven people. Mm-hmm. I've almost gotten a fight with a couple of those guys. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. Uh, Zoe, your number four for you. Uh, my fourth song is the song Kink Shirts by Matt Nathanson. Mm-hmm. And I just love this song. Uh, Matt Nathanson was kind of the first artist I started listening to when I started doing concerts and listening to like cool music, I'll yeah, call sure. it. Hot Show Ray. It's not that it's not cool, but it's it's pop. It's like pop music. It's top 40. That's its genre. It's entry level. And I always thought that Matt Nathanson was was really good. He puts on a great show live. Uh, he sounds almost the same live and when he's recording. And he's a great storyteller. And I've always just loved his shows. Yeah. I think one of the first ones I went to was uh, free at some fair. And I've probably been to a dozen since. Yeah. I just love this the song. Its music video was great. It um, I dated a guy who was uh, really into Matt Nathanson too, and this music video like pushed him over the edge. <laughs> I knew I fucking knew it. <laughs> That's what I wrote. I was like, you, "This is there's probably a guy attached to this." Yeah, uh, but this music <laughs> video like pushed him over the edge. The music video is uh, Matt Nathanson dating um, a girl. I guess he's mm. like supporting her. She's like a burlesque dancer, and in the end, turns around and it's it's a dude. Oh, like a person in drag, yeah. and that did not fly well with my very conservative guy I was dating at the time. Sure. And, the oh, song so just really now. <laughs> the song just really like shook things up, and yeah, yeah. I just—it's such a good song. Gotcha. Interesting. No, I, I think this song is sweet as pie. I didn't know the, that part about it. I didn't know it was a guy in drag. I just thought it was a sweet as pie. Like, I like this girl in this kink shirt because, you know, she's cool and she's cooler than the other girls because she's got this cool kink shirt on. And I, I pictured a young Zoe maybe wishing she was the girl in the kink shirt or maybe you had a kink shirt. So you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, this song's about me. I could see somebody connecting to it in that way. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's kind of a class, it feels like a classic like young love kind of song whereas, you know, I, I you know, I really like this girl on the kink shirt and it's just it was cool and it's sweet as pie and I really enjoyed like the kind of feel. It made me smile when I listened to it. And I think that's as long as music can make you feel something, especially if it's like visceral like that, if it gives you like a physical emotion, I think that's always, you know, a sign of a well written and well performed song. Matt Nathanson, his vocal performance is always that that sweet though. Yeah. Even when it's like super deep or super heavy topics he still like he has like such a hushed voice almost like uh joshua raiden i don't know if you've ever listened to him but they both have like that like calming presence yeah. of when you listen to them whether it's an upbeat song a slow song a sad song they they still have like this hushed almost like they're keeping the peace um so yeah i really like this song too so yeah i thought this may have been a, you know you may have attached this to like one of your first loves but obviously it's like a bad relationship because he couldn't take you know guys wanting to be girls let's be honest all of my relationships are always just like i attach like the bad things and i'm always like this one thing ruined everything yeah, so yeah, yeah. sure sure i mean that's <laughs> so you're probably right i just can't see past that no that's your prerogative i think that's the healthy way to deal with old relationships <laughs> fuck them leave them in the past so uh yeah uh dill we're on to your last one right all right uh let's get into won't be pathetic <laughs> forever won't be pa- won't be pathetic forever mm-hmm. by the wonder years um this song, it's it's an older song. It's older than when I, I had heard it probably t- 12 years after it came out. But uh, they did a like a re-release, and it was like um, 
old songs that they had never previously released, like on Spotify and stuff like that. So um, the Wonder Years threw a bunch of songs together, and this was one that I'd never heard before. And it came out when I was like 22. And I think I've talked about this at a couple different episodes, but you know, I was just kind of in a rut, and I couldn't I couldn't find direction in life. And you know, there's a lot of days I just didn't leave my bed. And I think talking about it a little bit more makes me realize I might have been a little depressed, but that's not that neither here nor there. But this song articulates exactly what I was going through in my life at an exact time. And it just like hit me so hard because like the one thing that gets you out of bed is your friends. And you go, this song kind of talks about like going and doing dumb things with your friends. Like all my friends are getting drunk, but you know, I'm keeping the peace. I'm drinking orange juice and you know, I guess we'll stay the night. That sucks. But, and sometimes you have like a love hate relationship with the town you grew up in. And then, you know, this whole song is kind of just telling a story. And I thought it was a really cool story because for me, it was like, how did he get into my life? How did he, I don't have a diary. How is he reading my diary? Yeah, yeah. And um, the last line really hit me at a point where I was like super down and without spelling it out for me, it made me realize, you know, maybe instead of like wallowing in your sadness, you can find a way to change things in your life. And, you know, you, I have a lot more say in how I feel about myself than I realized. And, you know, I think he says something about maybe I can, I want to be someone that makes change. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher, just something that changes something. And, uh, you know, it was like one of those things that just really struck me. And I was like, Oh man. Yeah. So for me, when I thought, um, of this song, I, I nailed the time period here where it was college deal. Um, but I missed the message a little bit where I saw this as more of like a, an anthem of being with your boys and partying and having a good time. And I, maybe it's just because I didn't listen to the lyrics closely enough. But um, for me, it was I could see you partying with your with your guys and singing this chorus really loud, kind of drunkenly. That To me, that just seems like, hey, I'm with my boys. I'm going to enjoy it. And um, kind of helping you work through something like that, where it's like, I, I'm with my boys, so nothing else matters. And, you know, it's just kind of an escape song. And I... Um, I really like the, the the dichotomy is where it starts with I fucking love this town and it turns into I fucking hate this town. I really I I can relate to that because I feel that same way about my hometown. Like I really appreciate the time I had spending up like spending growing up in it. Um, but now looking at it in a modern light, like it's gone downhill quite a bit and it's just a really shitty town that's kind of like twenty years behind on everything and it's just. I, I love it, but I hate it. Like I like going back to my bar, my 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 hometown bar, and I love being around those people. But there's a part of me that's like, man, I've outgrown this place quite a bit, and I really kind of fucking hate it. I hate that it still exists. I hate that my mom's still there. Um, I wish she would move somewhere else, but she can't because she's got her job there. So, um, I I I I really kind of related with that, and I love the fact that it's like screamed, and it's like it feels like a bunch of guys at a bar saying it. It's like, <laughs> it's like I could picture myself at the escape, and like a bunch of us yelling this at the same time out back while playing ring toss. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just it's a really really cool song, and I'm I, you know I'm I'm. I'm I'm glad it helped you through a tough time in your life. And I think um, everybody has those songs. And I think uh, especially in your 20s, when you're in your early 20s, when you're trying to figure yourself out. And this wasn't too too long before I met you. So this was probably a couple of years before I met you. And so, um, yeah, it's it's cool to kind of hear something newer in your, in your musical library as far as your growth goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like this song a lot. Yeah, it's a reason I, I picked it last. It's kind of like, Everything after that is just like, there's just a period of my life before 
I heard this song and then afterwards. Yep. yep. So, yeah. Anyway, Zoe, you got anything? So this is the song that you think you played the most of the group when we were driving around listening to it. And I remember talking and you pausing and being like, no, I need you, I need you to listen. Mm-hmm. And like rewinding <laughs> it. And this one definitely, I think, of the group was like the most that it reflects you as a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the one I was most sure about as far as like time period is like I know because this is closer to the Dylan that I that I've known mm-hmm. like and like that I met for the first time. So I was like, I know I know what Dylan was going through and I know like this sounds like something. This sounds like Dylan to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, cool pick. We're going to move on. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one for me. Um, it is uh, Yo-Yo Ma's rendition of the um, Bach cello suite number one. Um, the prelude. Um, this is the, if you've ever heard somebody play cello, this is the, probably the one cello piece that you've heard is this specifically this version. It's, it's very overdone in the cello world, but this, this performance by Yo-Yo Ma, who has been for years, one of the premier cellists in the world. Um, he, I really wanted to let me let me let me back up a little bit. I really wanted to pick Claire de Lune here, and it's what I first put on here, the Debussy um, um, piece, because when I listen to it, that that's it, that that um, the crescendo in the middle uh, where it becomes the main theme, it really really hits me in a very emotional place every single time I listen to it. It's just a beautiful piece of music. Again, a very overplayed piece of music, I think, but beautiful. It doesn't change the beauty of that song. But I, last second, I was like, I really started to think about it. And I was like, no, I have to put this specific recording of this song on here because of the very last note that Yo-Yo Ma plays here. Um, if you listen to a lot of other people in their recordings of this song or this piece, um, that last note, they'll kind of just play it straight and they will, they'll just kind of cut it off. But what he does here and the way he phrases it um, is he drags it out. He puts a little bit more weight into his bow and he really kind of drags it out, puts a little vibrato on it. He adds so many little touches of weight and human emotion into that, just that one note. And every time I listen to it, I just go, oh. And it, like, it hits me right in my heart. It's just so, it, it, there's so much in that one note um, from a piece that I've heard a million times. And hearing him do it really kind of changed the way I listen to music because it, it taught me that you can play music perfectly and you can hit every note, but that doesn't mean you're, you're performing the music. You're just playing notes. And I really couldn't picture that with other bands that write songs for themselves. You really can only get that truly from like the classical world where you're playing somebody else's song that had nothing, literally nothing to do with you. And even a lot, even artists that have people write songs for them, they're usually writing them for specific artists or a specific type of sound where they know you're going to connect with it. And when you get into classical music and you start listening to the way different people interpret music, I, I really think it kind of changes the way you listen to music. At least for me, it did. This was 100% one of the most important notes in I've ever heard in my life was the way he plays that very last note in this. And it just, it really is. It changed my life. And I, it, it sounds like trite and like over dramatic, but it really is something that changed the way I listen to music because now I listen for that authenticity more than anything. Mm-hmm. You can have a cool sound, but if it doesn't have authenticity, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. It's a reason we've sworn off Michael Buble on this podcast. Yeah, it really is, because Buble is not authentic. There's nope. no authenticity in the way he sings his... He can do it. He has all the chops to do it. He can sing it. He can do any sort of crooner song that exists. But there's that spark. There's that that phrasing. There's that that passion that's lacking there, and it really it rubs me the wrong way. It, 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 it almost infuriates me, because... 
it just speaks to almost like a commercialism to music that that just kind of sucks the soul out of what could be something beautiful mm-hmm. um and it really did. The first time I heard it, it made me cry because I was like, "Shit, I haven't been listening to music recently." And it, it was like, it was just—it's it, crazy to think that just one note in one piece that I'd heard a million times, um, like, made me cry because I realized I hadn't been listening to music correctly. Mm-hmm. And you know, if I—I I really, really want to meet Yo-Yo Ma and just tell him that, like, "Hey, man, you changed my life just by one note," because I think that's incredibly powerful. So. Um, Anyway, I could talk about this forever. Um, I really do love classical music, and it, this is a bit large reason why. I was like, okay, I need to go back and listen to masters play these songs because they're going to be wildly different, and I want to hear their interpretations and um, of their songs. Um, it's the reason. It's one of the reasons I love Hilary Hahn as a violinist. Um, she's incredibly emotive, and uh, she is just a master at like phrasing and putting emotion into pieces you've heard a million times. So, mm-hmm. anyway, I'll move on. I said I'd stop, but I didn't. So. <laughs> Zoe, you probably have more to say about it than I do. Um, I got really excited when I saw you this was <laughs> on here. Uh, I think I would have picked this too had you not put it on here. Um, actually, you pick a lot of classical music. I love classical I music. Really love, yeah. and I think you can attest when you guys did the planets and things like that. Like I get weirdly so excited about it. But this is one of those songs that just I agree. You can just feel like the passion of mm-hmm. him playing it and how good it sounds and how good he is at it. Yes. And this is weirdly one of the songs that I put on my I lift to this song. I yeah, don't know. I, lift, I work out the classical as well. So. <laughs> like, I think it's, you can feel the passion of them playing the song, which then makes you want to, I don't know, like lift heavier. I don't know. It's, it's an odd correlation, but like, I love to lift to classical music. Yeah. And this is one of those ones that is on every playlist I ever build. It's usually like one of like the first, the last to like start me off good or end me good. Mm-hmm. And that's, I just, I love this song. Yeah, I think it almost puts me in a state of zen. I think that's why I do it. It's like I can focus on 100% on what I'm doing because I'm what's going on around me is so beautiful that I can kind of just I kind of just block everything else out. It's the me, the music and my whatever I'm trying to work on that day. So Yeah, it does a really good job evoking emotion in a way that classical music can more than any other type of music. And if there's one thing I know, it's that Zoe and Kevin are going to make me like classical music if it's the last fucking thing they do it's it, it there really is a composer out there for everybody it's the same way i think about edm where there's a producer out there for everybody you'll find somebody that you love and i really think it's probably going to be like wagner or somebody that uses a lot of bass or you know you really liked you seem to like the planets a lot so i there hasn't been something you guys have shown me and i'm like bah, next yeah. <laughs> i've really liked it all i just you know, trying to get myself to do it by myself is it's very is tough. Yeah, it's like trying to get into comic books when you, you know, you're 30. It's like, oh, I've, there's a million different comics and a million different X Men comics. There's, it's like, where do you start? Yeah, and plus the bubbles, they don't always line up right. Bu- so I have a hard time, like continuity wise. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Like with the the blocks, I'm like, <laughs> you're talking about comic who's panels. talking when? I thought you were talking about classical music. Like, what the no. fuck? I mean, I mean, there might be some bubbles <laughs> added in post. <laughs> We'll just take you to like a concert of just like yes. just a symphony. We can all just sit there and listen. That'd we need to dress up fancy and go yes. to a symphony orchestra downtown. I think that would be a blast. That'd be great. She's already in. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I've wanted I've been wanting to do it. I've been wanting to do it for years. I just can never find anybody to go with me. Um but yeah, that was a good that was a good last pick, Kev. And it seems like a song that everyone somehow knows from birth and you're yeah. not sure how. I mean it's just, it's been used in ads, it's been used everywhere, movies, whatever. Any sort of like any sort of movie movie maker that doesn't know how to make a song, make a scene seem classy, throw on the uh, Bach number one. They're, here. they're going to a ball. <laughs> throw on Bach. Um, 
you want to get into pick number five for you, Zoe? Sure. You want to tell them who it is? So my number five pick is the song Tiki Torches by Jake Monon. It's it's my uncle. Um, oh, sick. It's a family member um, that weirdly is on Spotify, so it's easy to find. But um, he was in a band with my mom when they were in like right out of high school and college. And I, I never heard them play, obviously. I was not mm-hmm. born yet. But he continued to do his musical thing and... He has a couple people on it. His wife is on that uh, track. I think she's credited with playing the shaker egg on it. And oh, like yeah. his friend from Ohio plays the cello. So he sent in that piece as like a for it. And so it was a bunch of people that I all knew that came together for this song. He's actually got a whole album. It's called Make Out Sound, Make Out Songs of the Old West. Hell yeah. Um, it's so good. It reminds me of, uh, he lives in Montana. It reminds me of visiting him in Montana as a little kid. And we had that album and we listened to the shit out of it. It was like a horribly burnt CD that we sure, had sure. that we went through a ton of them. But it's one of my favorite things to listen to because it reminds me of childhood and my family and things like that. So I'm so glad I liked it now. <laughs> so I really did. I love it. You can not like it. It's one of no, the things I that I, I hide and I'm always like, I really like this. But it's also like, I don't know if I like it just because like, it's my sure. family or it could just be because it's me and I have a weird, like a, a weirder sense of music. But I wrote like, this reminds me of like a slowed down, like Google Operzello song. Like it's got that kind of weird, the yeah. weirdness, like a cool, like uh endearing weirdness to it. And I fucking love it, man. That uh weird Russian song we had on the playlist a few weeks ago. The one you were like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds like a, to me, it reminded me like a slowed down version of that, or almost like a Mr. Bungle, which is another one of Mike Patton's side projects. Um, just a weird kind of like sweet charity by Mr. Bongo is like something would be in this vein where it's just kind of like why like it's just weird and I love it and it just you can't really put your finger on why um, it's street performer music is yeah, what it is. That's yeah, what yeah, it, yeah it feel like you're walking down like New Orleans or something and you would hear this song playing I, I love everything going on yeah and I love shit like this because it almost like it almost feels like the artist is like challenging you like hey I bet you I bet you won't like this or <laughs> but at the end of the day you do and you're like all right and I literally wrote it was like you win you win this round uh Jake Monin <laughs> so did I say the last name right Monin yeah um I, yeah I really 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 liked this song a lot um the crazy thing is like this is like one of his weird little like side ventures like he made this and he's like I'm done with that and he went on to like make like wine or something for like a year and <laughs> yes. now he does like something else like it's just he's just does a bunch of weird little things and that's his that's his thing well if you're listening sir i i appreciate the music that you put out there for me to listen to yeah it, it surprised me too because she had mentioned she put a song on there from your family and i was like waiting for it to hear and like halfway through the song i was like wait i saw the name is that is that your uncle and she's like yeah that's my uncle i'm like holy shit this does not sound like you imagine like hey i put a song from my uncle on there you kind of imagine like a garage band yeah, sounding. yeah. like this is this has a lot of production value for being someone that just like threw it together themselves. Yeah, sick. My, I, I loved it. Like I just, like I said, with the last one, it just put a smile on my face, and I just never left while I was listening to it. It's like hell yeah, this is. I love weird shit, and then this is just. And it's not like over the top weird. It's just like kind of not it's something odd. you would expect to listen to. Um, yeah, I, I loved it, and I'm glad that I didn't offend your family. Nah, you could have. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're gonna. Stop for a second, and we're going to listen to Ben Carter's pick. Uh, do you have the name of his song, Omen yeah. in the Rain? Omen in the Rain. It's the club mix by Mayon, I believe, but he's an Anjuna Meets member. Um, which is do you the- want to talk about it first, or you want to let Ben We'll go? let Ben's words go, and then I'll kind of speak on it after. Okay. Howdy, folks. It's Ben, spiritually from your favorite podcast, Off the Beaten Clef. And, well, 
Since old Kevy and Dill were foolish enough to agree to giving me a space of uninterrupted air, Benji gonna have to gush about a few things. The first is off the beaten clef. I, I love what you guys are doing. You know, music is everything to some of us, and you're providing a platform for sharing music. There's something to be said for that. I think the playlist episodes you've been doing are a lot of fun, and this week's, I think it's going to mean a lot for everyone involved. So thanks, guys, and keep it up. The second gushing is trance music. If you've listened to the episodes I've been on previously, you'll know I'm a bit of an EDM fanboy, uh, for lack of a better term. So naturally, I I've wrapped my ears around as much of it as possible. Electronic music provides an incredible variety of sounds and styles, but trance has always been my personal muse. It's it's not for everyone. I, I get that. You know, trance makes you work for it to be a fan. If you think it sounds repetitive, you're right. Uh, repetition is key in trance. It's how they use it that makes it impressive. So if you love music, you know, give it a shot. You don't have to like it. I won't be offended. But it won't be the first, the second, or even the third listen that tells you this. But you might just love it. I, I, hell, I, I'd settle for 0.5 people out of everyone who ever listens to this episode to take an interest. The third is this track called Omen in the Rain by Mayan featuring Alyssa Fuedo. Now, if you've decided to give Trance a real try, put on your best pair of headphones. Because this track is an adventure that lures you in with thumping bass and a beautiful instrumental and entices you further with a dynamo vocal performance from Ms. Fuedo belting out lyrics that constantly evolve in their own repetitive way to tell a story of love. And now around three minutes and 10 seconds in, you'll realize that those elements have been building towards something, but you won't know what that something is quite yet. All I'll say further is that it's something bombastic. And if you agree now or in the future, welcome to the trans fam. Now, one last thing, a quick little shout out to my tent city slash prize cartel family. You know who you are. Too many to name, but one special mention for the esteemed Andrew Daw, who even fronted my ticket for the next year's forest when he couldn't even go himself. Now, as Tiesto would say, let's get down to business. There are plenty of EDM or trance tracks I could choose and justify changing my life, but there's a reason that runs deep for this one if you'll allow me to spin a little bit of a yarn. But you'll need to be in my head to understand. So it's 2017, and you're a 27-year-old man named Ben Carter. Ben Carter, who loves EDM. You've also always loved life and tried your best to enjoy it with as many good people as possible. But in recent years, you've kind of found yourself stuck and can't seem to get out of your own way with self-destructive decisions. You've begun to realize that while this hasn't lessened your zeal for life and being surrounded by those good people, it is making you hate yourself. Luckily, you've been blessed with wonderful family and friends willing to be there to pick you up. However, they can't always be there. And by yourself, the biggest thing always keeping you afloat is music. You attended the biggest shit show in human history, Tomorrow World 2015 had the time of your life, and you met a festival family. You worked security to see them again and witness Electric Forest for the first time in 2016. So you know music for festivals provide a beautiful space of alternate reality that offers more to you than just the music. But you also know that they're expensive and can create scenarios where it's easy to make bad personal decisions. 
and you're not in a position to be able to afford financial or spiritual mistakes anymore. But fuck it. You want to go to the forest with your fam so bad, and your favorite act of all time, above and beyond, are one of the headliners. There are payment plans, after all. How can you resist? The people, the music, and the things you'll experience will surely be worth it, right? Your good friends Hagen, Trevor, and Philkins even want to go. So, the day comes, and you load up your old Ford Explorer with your buddies and head out for the adventure of a lifetime in the dead of night. Now you're several hours in, and your party crosses into Michigan and stops for gas. Let's get to the forest as early as possible. It's still like 2.30 a.m., but that means above and beyond is tonight. Wait, wait, what the fuck? Uh, guys, the, the car isn't starting. Uh, no, no, really, it's, it's not even turning over. Well, good thing we're in the middle of nowhere and at a time we can't get help. Well, many exhausting, exhausting hours, and a few hundred dollars later, you found out that your Explorer starter just decided that this was the right time to break. Whatever, fucking fix it and let's go. But in the hours you have left on your drive, your excitement is tempered by those nagging thoughts you've had all along. Should I really be doing this? This already cost an arm, now a leg, and I'm not even there yet. What if this is just the latest destructive decision in my seemingly determined campaign to fuck up my own life? But finally, you've arrived. You reunite at the campsite with the fam. Crack a beer, breathe easy. This is awesome. But those thoughts are still there, and they're bugging the hell out of you. But you know what? We're all going into the venue now. Hell yeah. It's everything you wanted. The sights, the sounds, the people, and above and beyond in a few hours will make everything worth it. Wait. Are you fucking kidding me? Staff is telling everyone to evacuate the fucking venue? Why? A pop-up storm? <laughs> so you hunker down back at the campsite with your fam and try settling into the role of not ruining everyone else's weekend just because your favorite act won't be able to play. But with music, there's always hope, right? So you keep your eyes peeled and phone open for updates. Yet it's almost headliner time. <sighs> what are you going to do? Wait, the third time. The rain is letting up. You tell your homies you're going to go check the gate into the venue. You get there, and you see they just opened back up. Let's go! You sprint back to the campsite to spread good tidings, grab your finest rave gear, and book it back to the gate at terminal velocity with those who are ready to go. You're back inside. You pass through Sherwood Forest, and quick side note, please look that up. But you have no time to stop for the amazing, absurd sights of nighttime in the forest. Main stage is just on the other side. They're on. No time to wait for the others. Let's get in there. So you do. The devil's thoughts can't even scratch your joy now. The set is sublime. Still your favorite you've ever seen almost exactly four years and many festivals later. And the people. Everyone is so happy like they couldn't have a care in the world. And how could you? You look sad for a second and someone comes to give you a hug. You look happily at the person next to you and they beam back in shared wonder and amazement. That is the power of music. Especially this music. Especially, especially for you. So you've been happy raging for what seems like a decade now. You hope it never ends and don't see how it gets any better. Then Omen in the Rain by Mayan begins. You instantly recognize the pounding bass in the intro and you shout with glee. You were hoping they played this for months. It was a recent major release on Above and Beyond's Ajuna Beats label. 
and you already loved it from the first time you heard it. But it seems very poignant given the stormy tides of the day you've had and the life you've recently led. You dance. You love. You live. Then you hear the build-up start for the big drop at the end, and you can't fucking wait. Everyone around you feels it too, and they can't wait to explode. And the words finally come. You hear it. An omen in the rain. And the drop comes. At that exact moment, the heavens open up and an absolute downpour soaks everything in sight as you embrace pure bliss. All you can do is drop the visor on your fireman's helmet, which is now your most cherished rapier, and scream at the top of your lungs as you dance away years of the pain in your own mind. This is it. This is everything. Life is made of small moments like this. So as the song ends, you can only think one thing. This moment, this second, this blip of time, this is exactly where you were supposed to be. You wouldn't change a goddamn thing. For the next three days, Electric Forest was smooth sailing in a sea filled with life, vigor, humanity, and music. I'd never had a thing that caused me so much anxiety work out so well. Now, my big moment came a few months later in understanding my own anxiety and depression, but rest assured, Omen in the Rain by Mayan, delivered in the capable hands of Above and Beyond, helped pave the way. All of a sudden, I, I knew what it was like to be happy again. Truly happy and fulfilled. You know, I'll still struggle from time to time with my own thoughts, as those with anxiety do, but I'll never look back. And I encourage any of you out there struggling to share your story with someone. So with that in mind, thank you for listening. So I don't know what Ben said, <laughs> but I'm assuming it was emotional and amazing. Um, what I can say is this is not the song expected from Ben. I fully expected Elements of Life from Tiesto. Um, it's the it's one of the songs we listened to together um, and we were like, yeah, this song fucking rocks. This is like one of the earliest like EDM songs we remember being different was elements of life um but listening to this i totally get it and like knowing my brother as well as i do and knowing his tastes i know he is a huge fan of anything above and beyond uh related or anjuna beats related which is above and beyond's like kind of record label family mm -hmm. um because they make music that he it's almost like like i was talking about before artists need to make music that i like this that's what anjuna beats is it's like they almost feel custom made for ben's tastes in the edm and um it's really dancey. Um, it's something that I uh, love. Uh, young Ben Carter, I could see loving, just kind of fist pumping, and but also it's got it's got like that ethereal female vocal that I love in EDM. We talked about last week a little bit or two weeks ago, where it's just like, why are female vocals in EDM always fire for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just it's just they're always good. Um, and it's, it's like just, a staple. Yeah, it is. It almost is. It's almost like you have to have like a big female vocal in your track if you want to get it like played at festivals. And that's another thing I wrote. Like this has a really big festival energy. It's not necessarily something you would listen to or like I would listen to like in my car. But if you heard this at a festival, it would like this would be fucking awesome to mm -hmm. hear in a festival. Uh, it's got a huge buildup, clean production, and it's got a really, really tasty drop. It's not like a dirty drop, but it's like it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, the party started again. Like, yeah, let's go. Um, and like I said, just knowing how Ben feels about um, like trance and like in Juna Beats um, podcast is called The State of Trance and how it makes him feel. Um, if you ever meet my brother and you want to have him be emotion as emotional as he's ever been, just ask him about Electric Forest. 
and about his forest family and how amazing electric forest is and how the vibes are just immaplate and he'll talk about plur plur peace love unity and respect it's a big thing in the EDM community um and he'll just go on and on and on he's been trying to drag me to forest for years and I'm like I don't I don't want to spend a week in a forest man I mean it looks awesome but like <laughs> give me a tr- give me a RV and I'll go could you wear a furry costume to the electric forest yeah you can do whatever the fuck you want at the EDM show man okay I think we'll go it's Why just, is that what drew you in? <laughs> You're in the forest. You want to dress up like a furry. You want to be. You want to be a squirrel. Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, good pick, Ben. Uh, it's exactly what I like. I didn't have a lot of preconceived notions of what Ben was going to pick, but I knew it was going to be something EDM because yeah. um, every time he's been on, he's he's had a lot of good contributions, and he see he hears and and like notices things in EDM that you, me and sometimes you don't even hear. Yeah, so. for sure. It's really cool to get his perspective, who is just like very enveloped into that world. He's in it. Like, that's his thing. Like, he's in it, in it. So, mm-hmm. um, so did you have anything about that? No. Okay. So, let's get into Song of the Show, shall we? Actually, we shall. Uh, Zoe, do you have a Song of the Show? I didn't know this was a thing you did. Yeah, we do it at the very end. <laughs> you're, you're, Zoe never makes it to the end of you're the only, You're only slightly less prepared than I usually am for this. <laughs> um, so if you want to look up a song that you're into right now, um, me and Kev are going to talk about ours real quick. Kev, I'll let you go first. Sure. So my song is a song I almost put on our, our covers playlist because uh, I really, really love Teddy Swims. He's a guy I discovered through this song like a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, and he's kind of gaining some traction here lately. I think he just released a new album. Um, I think he's, he's shown up on my release right radar a couple different times recently. But um, his version of I Can't Make You Love Me, original Bonnie Raitt, but a million people have covered this song. Um, he, he's Imagine me with a bigger beard and like an awesome voice. That's Teddy Swims. <laughs> he has a striking resemblance to like... You, if you were like 5'10 and weighed about 350. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like we have, we look very similar. It's weird. Um, uh, I think it's because our mouth moves the same way. Um, I've noticed that, like, just watching myself speak, like, my mouth moves in a way I didn't think it did ever before, and I kind of hate it. Um, but <laughs> it's anyway. kind of like hearing yourself talk for the first time, like, yeah, oh, sucks. I really do that? Yeah, it sucks. Like, my, my canines poke through quite a bit. <laughs> I don't like it. Anyway, um, I do love this song. I love his rendition of it. It's very breathy. Is He's got a really, really nice vibrato. There's a part where he does the first kind of belt and he kind of goes out of tune a little bit, but I kind of like it because mm-hmm. he's, you can tell it's like a live recording and they they didn't they didn't um, tune it perfectly, which I think is cool. I think when you, whenever you do like a studio recording, like a live studio recording like this, I think it's cool to leave those imperfections in there. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I just said, music doesn't have to be perfectly note, note for note. I think you leave those touches in there and you add your own emotion to it. That's what makes music real. And that's what gives it life. And, oh yeah. And I think that was really cool. Um, so just a little anecdote. There's a, there's a channel I watch on YouTube, um, called the charismatic voice. She's an ex opera singer who and now a vocal coach. And she kind of breaks down like people submit stuff to her. She does a lot of metal stuff. I think that's why I started doing watching her. And I love just watching people react to metal that haven't really listened to it. Um, but she she did this song uh, last week and she broke down his performance of it. And that's what brought it back to my consciousness. But she had a cool story about the guy who wrote this song originally from Bonnie Raitt got the main hook from a court case where a guy um, like was nuts and like shot up his girlfriend's car and like obviously he was found guilty of all whatever he was charged with and the, the judge at the end was like well you know what have you learned and he's like he said 
you know, you can't make her love her, love you if she don't. And he kind of took that and made like a beautiful, like breakup slash love song about it. And that, that always, I thought that was really cool. He took like a crazy dude shooting up his girlfriend's car, um, and using bad grammar, uh, to make like a really like ubiquitous, like this song's been covered trillions of times. Yeah. So, um, just cause it's beautiful and I, I love that. Um, you can't make her love you if you don't. I think it's just a cool, cool sentiment. Mm-hmm. You have to learn when to give up. Yeah. Well, I'll add the, uh, the YouTube, uh, cover that you sent us. Yeah. We'll, we'll add that to the show notes because it is, it's really cool to watch him do. Yeah. It's cool. I always like watching vocalists do studio recordings because mm-hmm. you can kind of see how grounded they are and where they get their, their, their sound from. It's not like they're doing a stage performance. They're really focusing on making that sound sound as good as possible. So, mm-hmm. So you got one? No, not yet. Okay. Mine is Kilby Girl. Kilby Girl by the Backseat Lovers. I'm going to correct your spelling error here then. Thank you. I put Kirby. Kirby's on the, the front part of my mind because he's the French bulldog we have. But uh, the Kilby, it's called the it's called Kilby Girl by the Backseat Lovers. And it's a song I heard on TikTok. And it's really cool. It's got a weird structure to it. And it's like... um. It feels like these guys are a lot younger than me because they're talking about a girl that's 19. And you have to hope so, they're a lot younger than you then. Yeah, I mean, if it's pop punk, it could it could be either way. <laughs> they might be a little too old for pop punk guys. 19. Um, Jesus. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this song has like a really cool structure and it has a really catchy chorus. And uh, yeah, I, I heard like a snippet on on TikTok of them playing, and then I was like, all right, well now I got to look the song up, and it's like a five minute song, but. It's a wild ride. It's a lot of fun. Zoe, song of the show? <sighs> Nothing? I don't know. Okay, it's okay. fine. Yeah, you don't have to. Totally have fine. Um, so anyway, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Zoe, thank you for coming yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for coming thank on. For thanks for getting over your fears. I, you know, I have social anxiety. I'm talking <laughs> and hearing my own voice is awful. Uh, well, you did, a, you did a great job. You I did. Uh, you you hung in there with me and Kevin. I think after a while you realize like, you're just kind of just not talking with your friends. Yeah, not that bad. And there's just people recording it. We've, just, we've said multiple times the only reason we do this podcast is so me and Dylan get a chance to hang out for an hour every week. There's no other reason, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sorry this episode goes a little bit longer, but you know we've kind of kept it under an hour for a while now. And for a song, for a playlist called The Songs That Changed My Life playlist, it was going to go a little bit long. Yeah, having an extra extra host and then you know Ben's short story that he, he, he recorded for us. It's, uh, I don't know, it, this topic deserves a little bit more time. Yeah. So please listen to it all. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> give us a follow on Instagram. It's at Off the Beaten Clef. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter is at Off Clef. And hit us up on on Gmail. We're hot on the Gmail now. Also, I created a TikTok for us and a YouTube channel last week. Just search Off the Beaten Clef on both and you'll find us. Hell yeah. Uh, we don't know what we're doing next week, so don't even bother asking us. Uh, follow <laughs> us on Instagram and we'll let you know on there. <laughs> yeah. uh, see you guys next week. Bye.